Welcome to Wook AF with Ruth Steele, the podcast that delves deeper into some of life's unanswered questions, fears not the juicy real talk and taboo topics, and aims to educate on self-help healing. Join us and relax as we explore the mindsets of those choosing happiness and making a positive impact in our desperately disconnected world. Hello, lovely listeners. Welcome back or welcome along if this is your first time. Today, once more, I am joined by the wonderful Madura Bagfat. If you have missed our previous episodes on racism in yoga and cultural appropriation in yoga, I would highly advise you to catch up on those episodes, as well as sticking around to join us for this topic of white feminism in yoga. Bit of a disclaimer before we start, this is another controversial and somewhat triggering topic for a lot of us, but if you are willing to participate and sit with the uncomfortable, with an open mind and open heart and listening ears, then stick around and we hope you enjoy the episode. Hey Madura, how are you? I'm good, how are you? Good, thank you. Sorry, I'm running a couple of minutes late, but we're live, we're doing it. <laughs> yes, finally. I was actually worried because my internet's not been working very great, so I just hope this goes on well. I can hear you perfectly, it's all good. Awesome. <laughs> how have you been? Good, yeah, it's a gorgeous day today in Scotland. Finally, the weather has reached us. Really? And how, how has your week been? Has it been good? Oh, it's been quite good and uh, overwhelming at the same time with all these messages and everything. Um, but I've also been in touch with my parents back home. And in fact, I was going to mention this today, that uh, today morning I had a very difficult conversation with my parents because of what's happening. There's a lot of volatile situation between India and China at the moment. And uh, my brother, who's a serving officer in the Indian Army, he might be called any moment for it. So, uh, yeah, I mean... I don't wish to digress from our topic, but uh, my mind has been occupied with a lot of things, so wow, I hope yeah. I don't derail uh, through the chain of my thoughts, so I'll try to the best of my ability. And thank you so much, we appreciate your time as always, in being here and sharing with us. Um, I put a story up, if those, maybe some people haven't seen it, about I always get slightly anxious and nervous before these conversations because I know I have a lot of work to do myself, but I think that's a good thing because it shows that we are showing up and leaning into the uncomfortable in order to learn and, and be better. So yeah, thank you so much again. Thanks for giving me this platform because to be honest with you, I have been uh, talking about all these issues that we've brought up uh, maybe for five, six years now, but somehow it has also always fallen on, you know, deaf ears or yeah I mean people just don't care and finally people have started to rise up so it's good. Mm -hmm. Good. Um, so today as I've mentioned we are tackling white feminism in yoga and even there was a couple of comments and questions that we had uh, when we announced that just asking what feminism is and particularly white feminism for those that aren't aware um, so perhaps you could give us a quick overview of your take on that and how you see that manifest in the wellness industry um before we dive uh, into this 
topic, I'll just like to mention that uh, as you, you know, uh, have previously said that this topic can be quite sensitive and triggering. So we must understand that today's topic or the reason that why we're doing this podcast is to not belittle or criticize anyone, but to rather bring up the topics which have been going on, but for some reason, nobody paid attention to them. Mm-hmm. So for everyone who's watching and listening, all our request is that just have an open mind. And uh, at some point, if you feel a little anxious or, you know, a little angry, might as well sit back with the information and think why you're feeling it. So yes, discomfort is going to be fine. Um, so don't be afraid of it. It's absolutely okay. Mm-hmm. Now, when we talk about white feminism in yoga, it specifically means that I'll be speaking about white feminism with respect to yoga. I'm not going to be dealing with any other topics or any other fields, but it's going to be mainly with yoga. Uh, mainly when we talk about feminism, it can be referred to as a movement or an you know, ideology which aims at defining or establishing or achieving socio-economic, political or personal uh, equality amongst the sexes. But when we're talking about white feminism per se, it mainly means that it focuses on the struggles of white women without addressing uh, the oppression or struggle which has been faced by marginalized women or women um, belonging to ethnic backgrounds. So it kind of ignores um, transsectionality, uh, intersectionality, sorry, and uh, at the same time, it kind of, you know, says that, look, as long as this is not our problem, we are not going to, you know, pay attention to it. Mm. So what's happened is that the feminism that I see in the West is the battle between men and women, yes? But the, the white women, they're failing to see that there is a lot of struggle that people of color are also facing. And somewhere they forget to acknowledge or they just ignore it completely. So white feminism, I won't say is bad, but it only means that somewhere you have to learn a lot of things that are happening in other communities, other races, so that you stop living in ignorance now and uh, start understanding what's going on around you. Uh, sometimes, you know, uh, as far as yoga is concerned, uh, people tell me that uh, most of these corporations, for instance, Lululemon that we spoke about in the first episode, uh, it's run by white men, so you know why don't you blame them? But at the end of the day, who's their target audience? Is the white women? Mm-hmm. And now, why I'm mentioning this is uh, after the first episode when we brought up the topic of Lululemon, how many people who ambassadors of Lululemon who watched our episode actually took some action? So what's happening is that they're just sitting with that information, but they are not doing anything. And if you don't take any action, there is no support coming towards the BIPOC community in any way. Mm-hmm. And when you have that privilege, I call it white feminism. And especially, yes, in yoga, because although the big corporations are run by white men, what about all the yoga studios? They're all run by white women. And although they say that we accept ethnicity and diversity, I just don't see them uh, appoint people of color even Indian teachers for that matter or you know even if they at all give a chance to an Indian teacher or a person of color to teach they ask them to either teach for free or on donation base mm. so there's a lot of discrimination which I have noticed and uh, yes and therefore the reason why feminism in yoga definitely worthwhile as having this <laughs> challenging conversation um I've written down my questions. They're a little bit longer than usual and I'm just going to read them from here if that's okay because I feel like 
I feel like I still, like I said, I have a lot to learn. Um, and I just started reading the book, uh, Why I'm No Longer Talking to White People About Race. And actually it says right at the beginning of that, um, what you just said about, you know, you've been doing this work for many, many years, but until now it's fallen on deaf ears or it gets to a certain point with white people um, where the lady described it as, as having, um, you know, like honey in our ears or something, just yeah. actually putting a block up and getting defensive and not wanting to um, to help and do anything more about it, which really does have to change. So I don't want to deviate from that too much, which is why I'm going to read out my questions, if that's okay. Um, so I've been researching, and um, I'm sure many yoga studios and teachers can relate to the fact that yoga, um, we recognize, helps us heal from trauma. And holding my hands up here and saying, in terms of how I teach and how I've approached my yoga practice, um, it has started with the self, you know, and I've recognized that yoga's helped me heal from uh, trauma after losing my mom and things like that. And I'm sure that influences how I teach. But that being said, I had never really um, paid much attention to the fact that if you're living in the world as a pers person of marginalized identity, that is to experience trauma daily. And I think because we hold this trauma in our bodies and yoga helps us to give us the tools to release it and connect with it, we have to start acknowledging that as white wellness facilitators more so that we can tailor our offerings to be mindful of that um, towards marginalized communities. Um, and I suppose so that we can not skirt around that issue and just kind of ignore it, which comes across as us being ignorant and not caring. Um, so I guess my question would be, how can we go about that to, to, to stop skirting over the fact and to stop only speaking from our own experience, but really opening the doors to listen to everyone else's experiences so that we can tailor our offerings so that they are more diverse and uh, welcoming. Absolutely. Uh, to be honest, you said it bang on, you know. Um, yes, I hear a lot of uh, trauma-related issues and relating to yoga, helping them in the white community. And as you rightly said, but they somewhere fail to see that people of colour we are facing trauma from the time we take birth mm -hmm. and nobody us, nobody gives us that platform so you know i'll just like to mention something interesting which happened a um, few years ago when i was in bali and at a place called yogaban probably you must have heard about it it's quite known and uh, mm -hmm. you have all these uh, women empowerment circles and you know all self-proclaimed goddesses and all running around with kalis and shaktis and this and that and what got me thinking is that when someone you know because in yoga and wellness industry we have a lot of women empowerment retreats and all who really needs to be empowered because empowerment is strengthening someone when i was in bali it made me think do people who have the capacity of spending two thousand three thousand pounds need to be empowered or someone coming from a middle eastern country who does not even have the right to show their face yet even today or for instance, someone in India, there are some places in India 
when people do not even have the basic right to sanitation. And when I'm talking about sanitation, I'm not talking about, you know, them having menstrual cups or sanitary pads. No, they're still going to evacuate in the fields because they don't have toilets. And all these yoga teachers, they go to India, they do their trainings because they go to places like Goa or, you know, Dharamshala. They, they're so ignorant about what's happening on around themselves that they've made everything about themselves. And now, in this current situation after George Floyd's issue, um, so many posts have been circulating. You see a lot of people talking about self-love and, you know, show love and kindness to yourself and... I heard someone recently talk about a sex tantra coach talking about, oh, there's so much darkness around us, you know, but it's time for us to pay attention to ourselves. What have you been doing? That's exactly what you've been doing all this time. Mm-hmm. So what I mean to say is that there is ignorance, but there is also pretense of that ignorance. So somewhere we have to start undoing that. And how can you do that? Education. You have to educate yourself. You have to keep your eyes and ears open as to what's happening. When you're running yoga studios or yoga teacher trainings, invite people from these communities because their experience, you cannot talk on their behalf. You cannot take the mic away from them. They have to be given that opportunity to express what they're feeling. And the day that starts to happen, that's when you will start to see change. Um, You know, if studios want to practice anti-racism or stop cultural appropriation, that's where it's going to start. doesn't matter how many podcasts you watch or, you know, you listen to people. If you don't take an action, nothing's going to happen. So Mm -hmm. change first starts with you, certainly. I was wondering whilst you were saying that, if it would be a good idea for studios in particular to have something like a confidentiality box where their students could, if they're not comfortable doing it face to face, and if that doesn't always influence change, if they could leave their experiences within that studio in a confidentiality box where they you know, can say if they've not been made to feel welcome in a class or if a certain teacher has said something that's, um, you know, skirted over their experience of the world. Um, I think now because we're ready to listen more, it's worthwhile maybe as having something like this so that we can have these difficult conversations and, um, yeah, start making the relevant changes, do you think? Absolutely, you know, because a lot of times when we're talking about white feminism, what happens is that most of these women are impenetrable to feedbacks. Mm. They get defensive. The moment you find something wrong in them, they suddenly get very defensive. So what you're saying is absolutely correct, you know. Invite feedback. Let people speak out and see what they say. And there has to be a dialogue. So you cannot say that my way or the highway. You have to invite people and see what they have to offer. So certainly there must be this exchange of thoughts constantly going on. Otherwise you will not grow. Mm-hmm. If you, you know, you always say the moment you say that I know everything, your growth stops there. Because you're not going to learn anything more than that's backed by your ego. So yes, to keep that ego aside, be a little humble. It doesn't matter even if you're a famous yoga studio owner, be humble in your approach. So, yeah, definitely. Mm -hmm. Um, Now, I'd love to ask you, and further from a little something that I shared yesterday, that despite what 
Instagram portrays yoga to be by the looks of it and the aesthetics and the rest of it, and as well as mainstream media, um, which I would say is this whitewashed misrepresentation of yoga and it's, you know, respecting its origin. Um, would you say that yoga and feminism are authentically bound usually, like they do go hand in hand? Uh, in my opinion, they do go hand in hand if you practice it that way. For instance, uh, yoga talks about, you know, it changes your perception about yourself and your relationship with people. But at the same time, it also talks about swadhyaya. Swadhyaya means self-introspection, self-study. The moment you self-study, you know who you are. You start analyzing the quality of your thoughts. That leads to the next stage where you can practice non-violence, ahimsa. You can practice satya because satya means truth. You know what the situation is and you know how your actions are supposed to be. And if you practice all of these things, you certainly don't get influenced by misleading or misinformed media as well as cultural forces. Because, you know, so many times in yoga studios, I see well-abled, you know, bodies with lululemon clothes coming in with makeup on their face and done things. If that's what you think you are, then what has yoga taught you? Because yoga is about non-attachment. You're not attaching from this external world. Does that mean that you stop doing all those things? Certainly not. But somewhere you have to draw that line. And talking about cultural appropriation, if you're not able to understand, that's when you appropriate anything in yoga. Because then you think, oh, then, you know, I need to have tattoos, I need to wear these floral kimonos, I need to wear malas and create this whole getup and call yourself a yoga teacher. But that's not yoga. And that's certainly not how a person who would practice feminism or, or a feminist would do. Because if you practice yoga in its true sense, it makes you strong. It makes you resilient to anything for, from any force outside because it makes you understand who you are in the first place. And it makes you more vigilant about your traumas, your issues, but at the same time, understand what the other person is also going. So it kind of makes you um, understand the concept of non-duality and the, the entire uh, practice of oneness. And when that happens, yes, definitely they're bound together. For anyone who is still not familiar with uh, white feminism, because it's taken me a little while to wrap my head around as well, um, I was looking for a description that I could uh, perhaps explain to white women so that they can start to relate and understand and empathise, you know, with other people's experience. And um, I found one that I thought was quite good. And it said, um, if we think about feminism like you said, in terms of how um, women relate to feeling second class compared to our white male counterparts, uh, from things like having a lesser pay grade to tone policing or it being much harder for an educated white woman to get a job promotion than it is for an undereducated white man. These oppressive behaviours are experienced and recognised within many businesses, households, right up to things like political parties, that we see there isn't a fair divide between men and women. But I heard it explained that many black and brown women 
feel oppressed and treated in this same way by white women, which really just struck a chord for me. And I thought that's not right and it's not fair, you know? Um, and I think that's useful to point out. It was useful for me anyway, um, because I think as women, we also understand how challenging it can be to be brought up in competition and comparison with each other. Like you mentioned before in one of our episodes, many of, or much of the time is other women that seem to tear down other women rather than supporting them. Um, which again, isn't right. But if you're from a BIPOC or marginalized community, I can only imagine that this is 10 times worse. So is that the case? Or is there something that you'd like to add to that um, to kind of wake us up as white women and say, in See, it certainly is. What happens is, for instance, you know, in the first episode when I mentioned on racism that I had applied to so many yoga studios, mm -hmm. and to be honest with you, all those yoga studios, I don't want to name them, but they all are women-run. They all are run by white women. Mm -hmm. uh, none of them got back. I think only two of them got back, and they also gave this bizarre excuse as to why they could not have me there. Um, and then I started to notice, because I was talking to some of the people now, you know, now that I'm in Scotland, I was talking to some of my ex-students, and they said mm -hmm. that it's quite uh, possible because they only take their own white friends. Mm. So if you're popular on Instagram, if you're popular in your community, I wouldn't like saying this, but if you're good at ass-licking, you get chosen to mm. teach. And someone like us who are not into that, they don't like accepting people like us. So yes, definitely we have faced discrimination and um, kind of abuse of power by white women all the time. So I'm not quite new to this. The only thing is that now this topic is coming up, but I have faced it all along. And yes, it is there in other fields also. What mm -hmm. troubles me when I see that same attitude, that same practice being practiced also in yoga and wellness industry, mm. because then it makes me think, what has yoga taught you? You cannot call yourself yoginis there. You know, it's like you, you're the appropriation. You're taking, you're stealing something from another culture, and you're not even respecting that culture or the the people belonging to that race. So there's so much of this confusion. So initially, when I started my study into this field, I thought that, you know what, probably it's mainly white men and white women practicing. But the more and more I got deeper into my research and study, I started to notice that racism, cultural appropriation is pretty much practiced by white women. Mm. It's the pink yoga and wellness industry. So yes, I mean, most of my friends who are people of color have also faced similar experiences. It's such a sad fact and it makes me feel uncomfortable and embarrassed, um, you know, to be white. Um, and I guess as well, it's worth us mentioning that if teachers and studios are interested in diversifying their teachers that they hire, um, a lot of the time, I think what I see as well is that it will be the majority of the team, like you said, that have a platform, that have privilege, that are their friends, that are white. And then there might just be like one black teacher that teaches at all the same studios that's almost, yes. you know, the token tokenized black teacher rather than actually coming from this place of education and honoring the origin of 
where yoga comes from and what each teacher offers. You know, you hit that nerve right now when you mentioned about tokenism because I would like to mention this to everyone who's watching or listening is that I'm not talking about other fields. I'm talking specifically with regards to yoga. Yeah. It's because someone, again, is also a person of BIPOC community does not mean they are not going to practice cultural appropriation. Mm-hmm. So when you are selecting, so it could be a person of color, it could be an indigenous person, it could be a black person, does not mean that they are not going to practice uh, cultural appropriation. So just because someone is black, just because someone is indigenous, just because someone is Indian, don't hire them. Check what they can teach, but bring them in, which is important. Mm -hmm. Because there are tons of teachers around who are extremely knowledgeable in this field. So don't even go by the skin color. It has to be skin color as well as the knowledge. Mm -hmm. Straight away. And you're seeing it, you know, nowadays suddenly, uh, I mean, uh, white teachers or studio owners, they're frantically appointing uh, people of color or black people to teach or, you know, conduct events and all. I don't think that's fair because what they're doing is that they are kind of trying to compete with other studios in this race and at the same time um, take advantage of the current situation that's going on to benefit themselves. Yes, they may donate to, you know, Black Lives Matter. That's fine. But that does not mean that they don't have a hidden agenda behind that. Mm -hmm. And coming from a background of political science and law, and, you know, I've studied criminology and everything, you kind of learn to read in between the lines. It's very difficult to hide behind the veil then, yes. Mm-hmm. So, so just to elaborate, because I, I love and respect the way that you're so knowledgeable um, and educated about all of this stuff, but for us less educated people, that goes back to... No, even I don't have so much. <laughs> <laughs> but that, that goes back to what you were saying about in terms of what a teacher offers. So if a studio hires a black teacher who teaches only this type of fitness yoga, you know, whether it's hip hop yoga or whatever, that that is still cultural appropriation, that we need to be looking at what the teachers offer in terms of um, the diversity of all of the limbs of yoga and different types of classes. Yoga, or rather, I live that life. I will also say that I will not support anyone, any Indian who is practicing cultural appropriation. So, just because mm-hmm. I'm Indian, I'm not even going to support that. And I'm very honest and straight when it comes to that. When I see something wrong, doesn't matter if that person is an Indian, I will point it out. As opposed to someone, if the person is white and is doing a great job, I'll definitely uplift that person. Mm-hmm. So, what I mean is that just don't go by the skin color. Yeah. See what knowledge that person holds, you know, and forget this popularity, the well, you know, game of numbers, like what you were talking last time. Because if you're still stuck in that number game, you're not going to go beyond that. Mm-hmm. And it goes back as, again to what I was saying as well about when Janelle shared with us in our accountability group that she recognizes that there's a white supremacist that lives inside her. And for those who don't know Janelle, she is a black woman. Um, And I found that very powerful to hear because, you know, she was acknowledging that she's been brought up in this society that uh, rewards white supremacy and that kind of thing. So I found that interesting to say because I've actually had a a few messages 
um, I won't name names, but from people saying, oh, if, if you want to learn about racism and you want to learn this, like you could have just asked me. And whilst I respect that, I also respect learning from a lot of different sources because you can't just learn from one person's experience. We need to be opening our ears to everyone's experience. And from a yoga perspective, thinking about it, um, yeah, in that way of the origins of yoga and each individual's offering, no matter what the colour of their skin, like you say. Absolutely. I mean, the only thing is that, you know, if you want to bring about some change, just keep your eyes and ears open. And if you apply your mind correctly, you will exactly see what's right, what's wrong, and why there's injustice happening and how you can correct it. Mm-hmm. So you just have to be vigilant about everything around you. And that is what mindful living is. You know, if you are living in a bubble and in this dream world, you're not going to know what's going on around you. So you have to wake up. Mm-hmm. Yes. <laughs> I love that. Um, when I was searching for more examples of white feminist feminism in yoga, I came across um, this example, which is from an, a website called Decolonizing Yoga, just for the credit. Mm-hmm. Um, And an example it gave of what a white yoga teacher might say unconsciously to their students was something along the lines of everything in your life is the product of decisions you have made, ways of being you have chosen. If you want a different life, make different choices. But if we, and that's the end of the phrase, if we think about that for a moment, um, not that is again just the experience of the white teacher because not everything in the white teacher's life has been experienced in the same way particularly by those in a marginalized community because they don't have a choice like you said you're born into that system and by us not acknowledging that or feeling fearful as white teachers to talk about that i think this is where we can create the problems and say something that's harmful without even realizing it um and again i suppose we make the subject of our stories um ourselves like you said which comes across as ignorant and isn't embracing all identities regardless of gender race body size ability beauty social standards class etc um so as the object of people's judgment we have less individual control And I wrote here, we don't escape being born into a cultural system that gives more privilege to some groups and less to others. We're all a part of this. I'm just trying to paraphrase a little bit. (laughs) So, I think this needs to be- What you're saying is, you know, Ruth, it's absolutely right. Uh, We have not decided, did you decide that you would be born as a white person? No, we've not decided. I mean, yes, philosophically, there is a lot of things that I can talk about it, about the karma and things like that. But right now, this context, you don't know that. You're born into it. And when you're born into a certain system, you are helpless Mm -hmm. because they are ruling you. You don't know what's happening. Uh, You know, there was a very interesting uh, incident which happened with me a couple of years ago. When one of the teachers that I was teaching, uh, I won't quote the person, I, I mean, I won't name the person, uh, but he was Spanish. And during the conversation, you know, I was supposed to go to Spain to teach and uh, I had issues with my visa because suddenly they changed their rules or policies. Mm. And how is an Indian 
that gets a visa. So basically, we have to supply. I mean, we have to show them our six months bank statements. We have to have certain amount of money before we are granted visa. But we don't get visa for like six months or three months. It's exactly for the number of days that I would want to visit. So I have to show them my entry ticket, exit ticket, everything. And I was having a lot of trouble back then. Fortunately, because I come from a decent family, you know, showing paperwork and all is not difficult. So yes, I am privileged that way. Uh, but it was interesting the comment I got because he said that oh maybe you know it's because of your karma that you're facing this and I was like oh really mm-hmm. you know so you are Spanish you're taking yoga from India and you're teaching telling an Indian that it's my bad karma because I'm facing problems going to Europe or the UK you know I mean there's so much of hypocrisy in this field because they think that they're superior mm-hmm. and yet. What have Spaniards done in South America? Something like what British did in their colonies, you know. Mm-hmm. So you can see that even though they don't think that they are um, racist, they definitely are, mm-hmm. and they prove that time and again by discriminating in one way or another against us. So it's not that you know we are we are wanting to rant about certain things or because we are angry, but yes, there have been problems, and it's high time that people start acknowledging these things that have been taking place. Mm-hmm. Because change does not happen without that. So, what other things do you think we can do in yoga, particularly, to avoid this white feminism and these slip ups, these this harm being caused? change has to happen at the very top which means that for instance i'll give you an example if you have a yoga studio which is run by white women mm-hmm. maybe they have to start changing the structure of appointment on what basis you are appointing teachers and when you're appointing you have to ensure how are you not going to practice cultural appropriation in yoga so that means you will have to see beyond the 200 hour certification 300 hour certification as to what that person can really teach mm-hmm. and if they can teach all aspects of yoga during your class that's one way that you can stop appropriation of yoga and if you do that you are inviting at a fair scale which means you're not going as per who's favorite or you know with biases or prejudices but you're accepting people for what their knowledge is. So it has to happen at the top level. And when they start to change, gradually the quality of teachers that they're appointing will also start to change. And that's precisely what you and I were talking the other day regarding the accountability circle. We have to bring up these topics because we have to help them. If you are ignorant about certain things, then we have to show them that direction and put them onto that direction so that they go on the right path. Mm-hmm. And then gradually the things will start to change. And when the regular teachers understand, oh my God, I can't find a job because this is the expectation of a studio, they will learn more. Mm-hmm. They will educate themselves more. And going beyond, you know, this whole uh, flowery and uh, kimuros and you know this whole love and light yoga, mm. they will actually put in that hard work to study yoga. Which, and leave that. Which will reflect back to things like Yoga Alliance, like you were saying, them getting stricter on what people are offering, yes. whether it's actually good enough, up to standard. So yeah. And you know, change 
happens with yourself. Like last time we spoke about Yoga Alliance. Now Yoga Alliance could be in the UK, it could be in the US, in Australia, there's so many of them. Mm. Maybe they are not changing at their level. But if yoga studio owners are watching this right now, they can start that change. Mm. Doesn't matter what Yoga Alliance does. Yeah. And if every single person starts to do that, you will start to find that difference eventually. Mm-hmm. And you will certainly then stop racism, appropriation and white feminism in yoga. Mm-hmm. I had a thought that crossed my mind there. Um, there was someone who contacted me recently. I think they're a beginner to yoga. And as far as I understand it, their experience of yoga has been a fitness class, pretty much. Um, and I would imagine that there will be feedback from white students that will need to recognize the fact that some of them might just prefer fitness classes to actual yoga because I can foresee uh you know feedback from particularly beginner students or those with limited yoga knowledge that would say that they're not into spiritual yoga or the deep or the fluffy yoga or or, or anything else that it can be labeled as um But again, it's important to have these conversations and have accountability groups, not just made up of teachers or studios, but also students so that they can start deepening their knowledge and finding out what it is that they like so that they know what their expectations are. And I suppose if that is aligned with the amount of information that studios have on their websites about what they're actually offering, whether it is fitness or whether it is well-rounded yoga classes that are offering many different elements of yoga what you're saying is actually, sorry sorry go no on. go go on no what you're saying is actually quite true because you know now how i'm trying to bring about this point of view is for instance if i call myself as an example madhura yogi or yogini or madhura yoga anything a yoga attached to my name say on my name on instagram mm. the fact that i'm attaching the name yoga yogini anything to do with that and tomorrow if i teach a fitness class under the name of yoga that's sending wrong message mm-hmm. so first stop using all these terminologies that's why i said change starts with you mm-hmm. Use whatever name you want. Just don't put yourself as yogi, yogini, yoga, anything of that sort. So when the student is coming to you, they know that they are not attending a yoga class, but they are coming for a fitness class. Yeah. And you're being fair about it. You know, teach them whatever you want in a class. You would use a yoga mat. Fine, fair enough. But don't sell it as yoga then. Mm-hmm. Because if you're using the word yoga and they are coming to your class, Oh, I'm learning yoga, but you're actually teaching a fitness class. There is appropriation. Mm-hmm. So you have to start giving up on all these things first. It's the only way that we're going to kind of put right the, the message of this misrepresentation of yoga. Absolutely, you know, because last time, if you remember, in the first episode, I think when we spoke that, what if we name the class differently and not name it as yoga? Mm-hmm. Fair enough, you may name a class differently, but the teacher who's teaching that differently named class has a yoga attached to my name, the student coming in will think, oh, I'm going for a yoga class and not a fitness class. Mm-hmm. And I so see... Start giving out right messages. Yeah. I see a lot of this crossover, I suppose, if there are white wellness facilitators who are 
a yoga teacher as well as say a PT or a spin instructor or whatever. So there needs to be more of a clear divide and better language used that describe each of their classes, like you said, so that there isn't any of this yoga shred or yoga burn or whatever that is very misleading. teachers out there particularly ones who think of themselves as feminist um that deliver classes to all white students mostly and perhaps are fearful of adapting their classes or speaking up about these important topics to further educate and encourage their students to question their own participation in oppression and racism and white feminism what would you say to them slash us and how is the best way for them to begin to move past this fear for the sake of black lives and their experience directly in the wellness industry? See, first, all these people, uh, feminist teachers, you know, who are teaching white um, population, mm. first start acknowledging that there has been oppression mm. by white supremacy onto other people. Start acknowledging that first. And secondly, begin to educate yourself and try to understand where all the problems are taking place, whichever field you might be in. And once you notice or spot a problem, then start evaluating or analyzing how to bring about the change in those problems. Mm-hmm. And don't be afraid of who, if the second white teacher is going to say something bad about you, or you know you are going to be tag something in your community if you are certain about what you're saying because that's what speaking truth is satya don't be afraid of who's saying what mm-hmm. because if you are still falling prey to the white supremacy and yet call yourself feminists then no you're not supporting us straight away you're not you may love to believe that but you're certainly not so you have to change yourself and the society around you and definitely you know why I always come back to the same thing, change yourself first is, you have to walk the talk, you have to practice what you're preaching, because you have to set examples for other people. Mm-hmm. They will change by just your talking. You have to show them that you yourself have changed in the first place. Mm-hmm. And if that change does not happen, how are we supposed to even expect any support then? Doesn't matter how many books you read or podcasts you watch, you have to take that action. So true. And I guess at the moment there is strength in numbers in us all starting individually with ourselves, which is why, um, you know, we've briefly mentioned us uh, having requests and taking a further step to start our own accountability groups so that we can not only support each other, um, but hold each other accountable, hopefully going forward with um, taking whatever steps are necessary to... Um, mindfully approach studios or teachers um, to make these changes. Um, So we're going to be announcing more on that tomorrow. And for anyone that is interested in joining, 
um, an accountability group with Madeira and I for the next six months and onward, which we will uh, reassess. Um, then you can join. Where can people join your mailing list? Please tell us. Uh, it's madurabhagwat06 at gmail.com. So it's my same username of Instagram with gmail.com. Fab. So thank you so much for that, everyone that's requested. And I'm looking forward to, as well, being part of that accountability group so that we can make these changes. Um, is there anything else that you'd like to add that you feel we've missed out on white feminism in yoga? Um, I think we've pretty much actually covered a lot of things. In fact, I would request uh, people who are watching to give our suggestions in case if they want clarity on the issues which they are unaware of. But I think we have pretty much uh, waved all the topics uh, with racism, cultural appropriation and white feminism to try and bring out a point of view. And um, I'm also going to launch two courses, which is on mantra chanting and history, origin and philosophy of yoga. This is, I think, the brilliant step to actually start stopping cultural appropriation in yoga because these are the topics which are never taught in most of the yoga teacher trainings. And that's why they've become like fitness classics. Mm -hmm. So during the philosophy class, we dive deeper into how things are and why they are the way they are today. So yes, if you are curious, just write to me and I'll send you the details. I'm really looking forward to taking part in those courses. Um, tell us when they begin again, please, as a reminder. Uh, I will be running them from next uh, Saturday, which is 27th of June, and they will run for four weeks and five weeks. So mantra chanting will be for four and the other one for five weeks. And this so is all online? It will be live, yes. I mean, I'm not very fond of recorded classes because I want to ensure that everyone is participating well. Mm-hmm. And that's amazing because especially with things like mantra, I think that gives people the opportunity to um, say it or sing it and you hear the you pronunciation. You learn the script. So I will be teaching you the script and sounds of how to write, how to uh, read those, you know, words or sounds. Yes. So exciting. Yay. <laughs> Fab, let me just turn the comments back on here. If anyone has any questions, please fire them our way sharpish. And yeah, thank you so much again for your time and energy um, over the last couple of weeks with these topics. I think it's been really nice tying them together today, like you said. Um, and I will be posting this on IGTV and on the podcast for anyone that missed it. Please share it with other students of yoga and teachers and studios. And yeah, thank you for all being here and participating actively in anti-racism as well. Thank you so much for giving me this opportunity and this platform. Thanks a lot. And yes, we'll catch up even otherwise. <laughs> Yay. Thank you. Enjoy the rest of your weekend, Madura. You too. Bye-bye. Bye. Thank you, thank you, thank you, Madeira. You are simply divine. Your knowledge and wisdom astounds me and I'm honestly so truly grateful for your time and energy over the previous weeks. As I mentioned, I'm thoroughly excited and looking forward to your online course offerings of mantra chanting and history, philosophy and origin of yoga. These courses are aimed to educate us as white wellness facilitators 
in areas that are often missed out in say 200 hour yoga teacher trainings. So if you are listening to this before Saturday the 27th of June, please contact Madura. You can find her on Instagram at maduraBagvat06 and you can contact her on Gmail at maduraBagvat06 at gmail.com. Via email, we will also be announcing, as per your requests, the accountability group which we are starting to do just that, support each other, come together and hold each other accountable as we go forward with practicing active anti-racism in the yoga and wellness industry. If you are interested in being a part of that, you can join my mailing list at ruthsteel.co.uk as always, you know where to find me on Instagram at ruthsteel underscore. Thank you all for being here and listening. Keep taking care of yourselves and doing the hard work. And we'll catch you on the next one. Loads of love.